So we're going to start the new project. I guess we'll go back for the introduction, which is a work in its own right, but we'll give a little bit of just sort of a snapshot of where we're headed with it, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive in. So first of all, just to frame out, um, I think we, we, we can look at the, the purpose of the Sefer. You know, there's a lot going on. There's Hashkafa. There's, there's ways to look at life. But Edsem, it's a, the purpose of the Sefer. It's a Sefer of, of Avoda. The, uh, there's a few different versions. Rav Chaim Miller has notes in one of the versions, and he summarizes if, if, if a person was coming to, to, to the Rebbe and trying to frame out the problem that the Rebbe was trying to respond to, it would sound something along the lines of, my heart is in the right place, and I'm someplace on the spectrum of continually messing up, of going through the motions and not really feeling it, or of even being successful, but never really feeling like I'm getting over the hump, and I'm just, I, I keep on fighting the good fight, and, and I'm doing it well, but, but at what point do I feel like I'm translate, you know, I'm kind of like becoming, I'm transforming into a higher level individual, and I, I keep on just getting stuck in the mud. So he's going to set up a, a, a system, essentially, where a person's at the center of creation. And most of the times that we think about this, we think about, you know, the good angel on the right shoulder and the bad angel on the left shoulder, and we're someplace in the middle, and we're who we are, we want to choose the right thing. And he's going to set up a, a, a different dynamic of defining the individual and being able to apply that to a voda, where it's not so much that there's you with your competing considerations, but they're actually almost competing versions of yourself. So, and you've seen people like this. We've seen people like this. You say, that's not the same person that I know. Different work self, different personal self. And you literally translate it, even in yourself, into a person where there's different considerations. Sometimes somebody's asking about a shidduch. And you want to say, well, I, I only know him in a very particular context. It's not that he's faking it. I'm dealing with a different person. So the Balatani is going to set up a dynamic where within a person, there are literally not just competing considerations, but they're almost competing personalities. And, and uh, our job in the Avod is going to be to really almost align ourselves with one of these personalities, not only to the point of where one is able to triumph over the other, but where it starts to convert. So if you think about it, and then we're going to dive in totally in a second, but if you think about it, um, you know, there, there, there could, you, you could be a person who does right over wrong and intellectually understands that, but you're not necessarily repulsed by the wrong. So you could be a person walking down the street where you see kosher stores and not kosher stores, and there's a, there's a big avoda to saying, I, you know, the not kosher food smells incredibly good to me. I'd love to eat it. I used to eat it, maybe. And, I, you know, but I know that the right thing is not to eat it. On the other hand, you could be the type of person where it looks, you know, it's basically pet food. It's not food. Uh, you know, it doesn't even appeal to you. Somebody says, oh, do you know where, you know, do you know, do you know where, uh, you know, 15th Street is? It's right next to the restaurant. And you say, what restaurant? I never even noticed there was a restaurant on that corner. It might have been a hardware store. I don't relate to that as food. And then you can be the type of person where, you know, there's something that doesn't align with godly goals. And that literally repulses you. You see somebody talking in shul. That's not the right thing to do. You see somebody talking on shul in Tishabov, joking around. He's obviously not getting the message. You see somebody talking in a shiva house when you know a person's father is sitting shiva. That repulses you. When you see somebody joking around on shul and Tishabov, do you relate to something that's not within like Ratzon Hashem as the point of repulsing you? That becomes that that starts resonating. There's something within you that's resonating literally with Ratzon Hashem where you're starting to convert. It's not just that you know right versus wrong. 
but you're relating to it in a different dynamic. And there will be a lot of, you know, a Kabbalistic framework sprinkled into this, but not just in terms of the intellectual like ideas. It's going to, he's really going to be focusing more on the parts, you know, that have a Kabbalistic, you know, root, but really that relates to his central message of understanding where we fall within the framework of Avodah. So the Hasidus, you know, this Sefer certainly is, there's going to be a lot of pieces that almost, you know, many of which will stand on their own. So it's not going to be structured like, you know, an academic outline. He's going to start off with a landscape of a bunch of questions. And then, you know, sometimes it's easier actually to go faster than slower and not get totally stuck. He Even in the beginning, he's not really going to come back to answer a lot of the questions until 13, 14 chapters later. He's going to start framing this idea of, of different types of people and the shamas, these competing considerations. And then after he spends, you know, a good portion of the Sefer talking about that, then we're going to end up grounding it into, you know, different types of meditations and ways to apply this dynamic into our practical avoda. In certain ways, probably the second part of the Sefer is a little bit more accessible, but, you know, he, he presents his, his framework in the beginning that uh, tend to get philosophical, so we'll jump into it. The, the beginning is, is Tanya, really Mishnah, but Tanya Vesof Pera Gimel Denida. The Chazal say, Again, we're just going to be sort of almost spitting out questions uh, in, in, a, you know, in a very specific sense, but spitting out a bunch of questions that are going to frame all of the problems that we're going to have to start sewing together um, you know, as we go. So number one, the, the, the Gemara says at the end of Nida, When a person is, is born, then they're made to take an oath that they should be a tzaddik and not a rasha. And even, so first of all, you know, they're taking an oath, you know, we have the khira and stuff, but even if the entire world tells you that you're a tzaddik, so th- this is the, 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 the Maimar Chazal that he starts off with. Interestingly, I saw in, in one of the notes I have in, uh, in the Chazizm of Waris Tanya, he says, very interesting, when he wants to ask a question, he doesn't ask it, you know, there's different ways to ask a question. Sometimes I ask a question and say, there's something incongruous about what you're saying. It should have been said differently. I'm going to ask a question indicating that there's something, there's something wrong here, even if I'm able to answer it. The way that we're framing the question is, if, 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 if there's nothing wrong with the material. Chazal say it, and we're coming from the point of view that if they, you know, very smart individuals, if we thought of it, they thought of it, it was presented specifically in a certain way for a certain reason. The issue is that we have to understand it. And then in the answer, he introduces it with Acha Inyan. This is what they really meant to say. In other words, it's not that we need to pull something out of our hat to answer to answer something that was inherently problematic. It's something that, from our stand, this is standpoint, we didn't understand, and now we're going to explain what they what they really meant. The truth is, is a conversation for another time. But the the in terms of understanding that the Gemara is essentially you know twenty seven hundred plus minus daf, which. If you look at Daf Yomi Shirim, you can find a Daf Yomi Shirim pretty much, you know, let's say, for argument's sake, 20 minutes, a half an hour. If you think of a work week, you know, a 40-hour work week is 2,000 hours, that means that the Gemara is essentially boiled down to, you know, 1,500 plus minus hours, 
which encompasses a multi-generational discussion across 300 years from all of the yeshivas in Bavel. If you've ever seen a deposition transcript, which is like, you know, for two hours, it's like 400 pages. It means that Chazal were very, very specific. It was like an editing job that was probably bordering on Ruach HaKodesh to be able to boil down, like I said, all of, from all of the yeshivas in Bavel, weave it into a multi-generational discussion of 300 years into essentially a transcript of of something that was, you know, seven month worth of, you know, nine to five type hours. So whatever was put in there, some of it seems to, you know, make more sense to us and some of it makes, but it was very calculated. Nothing sort of just got like dragged in there for no reason. So he says, we need to understand, there's, first of all, you're not supposed to look at yourself like a Russia. So it says, even if people call you a tzaddik, you should consider yourself a Russia. But before we ask a question that that doesn't seem to be intuitive or it doesn't seem to be like a, a positive route, it also expressly contradicts another Mishnah in terms of how one is supposed to view himself. Number two, even if you were going to say that you should, in fact, look at yourself like a Russia, listen, I'm 90% good and 10% bad. I'm 50% good and 50% bad. If, if that 10% bad leads me to a state of lethargy and depression and sort of questioning myself, not only am I 10% bad, I'm going to end up losing my enthusiasm for the 90% that's good. If you start looking at yourself as bad, then the entire house is going to crumble. You just came home from a trip that you spent three, three days on, which was 99% good, and somebody asks you, how was the trip? And 90% of your conversation is focused on the 1%, right? That you didn't get like the meal that you liked. Well, what, can't you at least slant the conversation to be 99-1 you know, the way it actually was? So number one, it contradicts this Mishnah. Number two, it doesn't seem to be an appropriate, it's counterproductive. It doesn't seem to be a, a, a legitimate path for Avoda to start viewing yourself as a Russia, even, you know, because you're not perfect. So what's the alternative? That you should have a lot of deficiencies and you're just going to be Mr. Positive? Well, you know what happens then? So what are you going to do? You're going to translate and say, listen, I'm mostly good. I am 80% of the way there. 20%, nobody's perfect. Well, you know, then you risk saying, you know, that that engaging in negative behaviors is not inherently a big deal. And and, and it's, a, it's a very fine balance. If you're viewing yourself holistically, you could say, I try and I'm doing the best that I can. Nobody's perfect and I do what I do. But if, you're, if you understand that, that mitzvahs and the various are reality, then, you know, my marriage is 90% good. I'm only promiscuous 10% of the time. Well, you know, that... <laughs> things don't necessarily work out like that. So we need to understand this Maimur Chazal, and this is the basis of the ensuing discussion. Be it tzaddik, don't be a Russia, but look at yourself like a Russia. It seems to have contradictions with other Maimur Chazal. It doesn't seem to be, and it, it doesn't seem to work as a path for Avoda. It also seems to be counterproductive. And uh, we're just going to do one more line, then we can go to a call. This is the answer. The the basis of how he's going to dive into this, and we're not actually going to come back to the answer until much later, is, you know, we tend to think colloquially for various reasons as a tzaddik as being somebody who's Tzadik Bedin on Rosh Hashanah, for instance, somebody who has is is a, has a schus, they're victorious in a particular judgment, so we call them a tzaddik. 
but he's going to say that those are really borrowed terms. A person, a person is not necessarily inherently good or bad. A tzaddik is a noun. It's a subject. I'm not necessarily a noun because in a particular context I was victorious in judgment. He's going to say those are borrowed terms, but if we can truly understand what a tzaddik, Russian, Benini are, then we're going to be able to understand who we are, how we encounter the world around us, how we're able to define avoda, and we're going to ultimately come back and be able to plug it into this Marmar Chazal to know, you know, how we, how we stand as being at the center of the world in the focus point of creation, and how we're supposed to address, uh, you know, our challenges in a meaningful way to, to be for growth, not necessarily to be perfect, then there wouldn't be any avoda, but, uh, you know, step, step, step one. So we'll, we'll stop over there.